Welcome to the WPC Sermons Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, How Are We Connected? and is part of our sermon series, Questions for the Church. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Today's scripture reading is from Romans 12, 9 through 18. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, Be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, now we have heard your word read wait in anticipation for your spirit's movement among us that we might be transformed more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was interviewing with the search committee here about a year ago at Westminster, one of my first questions came with a caveat before I asked it. Hey, Kate. One of my first questions came with a caveat before I ever asked it. I said, you can't answer with the people because that's what churches everywhere say. So my question was this, what is it that you love about your church? And you know the people that were on that committee, they're a very capable bunch, but they were a little bit befuddled. And after they kind of tossed it around for a minute, they just ignored my caveat and they went ahead and talked about how much they love the people here at Westminster, how they were like family to one another. It's a primary strength of this church in Westminster in particular, that they would be feeling like family to one another. And through the years, uh, this year, even through the season of COVID, I've seen that be true in significant ways. The way the leaders of this church care for and honor the brothers and sisters of this family and of this community speaks of what God has created here in this covenant community. The question I want us to consider this morning is how are we connected? In what ways are we connected to each other and how deep does that go? Are our connections different than the ones that we form at work or at play or at school? or in our neighborhoods? What is unique about the Christian family's connections? The Apostle Paul certainly thought that it was unique to be a Christian. 
In fact, the Romans chapter 12, the passage that we read this morning, that chapter begins with the famous, let your mind be, tra be transformed by the renewing of your minds. There is a difference that happens when we encounter Jesus Christ and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are different. We are changed. The nature of our relationships becomes different. And so the rest of the chapter is kind of a commentary on that first transforming word that Paul gives. It's quite a list of encouragements and exhortations that he gives in just the few verses that we've read this morning. But I want to lift out just a few of these for our consideration this morning on what it means to be part of the family of God. The first is in verse 9 when Paul writes, let your love be genuine. Let your love be genuine. And more directly from the Greek translation, let your love be without hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy or hypocrite in Greek comes from the theater. It has to do with putting on a mask of playing a part, if you will, that is not genuinely yours. So what the Apostle Paul is saying in this particular aspect of being in a Christian community is having genuine, authentic relationships of love that are based in the authentic love of God. Not love that actually conceals a hidden agenda or love that is for show so that people can see it, but a love that is genuinely interested in embracing our brothers and our sisters because we love them and because God loves them. Illustration, our three-year-old Sarah, the same one that says cute things sometimes, she teaches me the importance of genuine love from time to time. I'll be standing in the kitchen and here she comes in and she opens her arms and she says, Huggies! And I pick her up and I scoop her up full of joy and in my heart and she'll point to the cabinet and say, Can I have a snack? It's a hidden agenda. That's not genuine love, Sarah. But God calls us Christians to genuinely love one another. No hidden agendas. There's part of love being genuine that is allowing the other person to access who we truly are as well. This is where it gets a little tricky sometimes. It's easy for me to love you in relationship when I know about you and keep you at that sort of arm's length distance. But is that really love? The tricky part is letting you know what's going on with me. When I have to share who I really am, where I'm really struggling, where I'm really failing sometimes, that's when love becomes real in many ways. But unless we overcome or more, more properly are healed of our fear of vulnerability, we will never receive the grace of the relationships for which God created us and which he's given us in the Holy Spirit. It's true of all relationships, isn't it? Whether it's husband or wife, parent and child, friendships, colleagues, in order to experience God-shaped relationships, we have to genuinely be interested in the other person, not for some reason, but because God is. That's, there's a great little book called Becoming Friends by a Catholic writer named Paul Waddell. He writes about the connection between loving God and our friendships on this earth that are God's gift to us. 
and he lifts up some of St. Augustine's teaching on friendship. He writes this, in such friendships, the friends join together in Christ, not only teach one another the love of God, but teach one another to love like God loves. That is what should happen through the life of friendship. We should, one, teach one another about the love of God, two, form each other in the love of God, and three, help each other practice the love of God. For Augustine, such relationships are schools of love and perfecting ways of life. Are we in the school of love together as a church family? Are we, are we teaching one another about the love of God? Are we growing one another in the love of God and helping one another to practice the love of God as well? Doesn't that sound like a transformation of friendships, of marriages, and even of churches as well? To teach one another about the love of God, to shape each other in the love of God, and then to help one another practice the love of God. God's love is so unfathomable, isn't it? I was meeting this week with Owen and Katie Wagner. We were talking about Parker's baptism that's coming up at the end of this month. And what came to mind was this epiphany that I had in the delivery room when our first daughter, Anna Kate, was born. As I held her in my arms for the first time, I had this revelation that of this new facet of love that I'd never experienced before. And that she would never love me the way I love her. And then it went one step further for me to understand then that that's how God loves me and you, fully aware of the fact that we will never love God in the same capacity that he's loved us. And yet he does. And that's the beautiful moment of understanding God's love for you and for me. It's the genuine love for one another that he gives us. And that is the love by which Jesus says people will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another, with that miraculous love that we ourselves have first received from God. Let your love be genuine. Genuine love is demonstrated by knowing and being known in relationship. You really begin to love someone sometimes when it's difficult, right? Sometimes we might say, in fact, here, I love my church family. But what do we know about them? What do they know about us? Have we shared some, with someone where we're vulnerable, where we're weak, where we're broken? what the sins are that we still struggle with. When love is genuine, these are topics not of gossip in the parking lot, but of prayer with and for one another. We are a church that is exceedingly full with very capable and accomplished people, and that's a good thing. God has been good to us. But with that comes the temptation of a shadow side, which encourages us to put up the masks. To put up the mask of, of love that is not genuine. To play the part, to put on the suit and the smile so that people will think everything is cool with us, that we've got it all together. But the invitation of genuine love in Christ is to put down what is covering us, 
and to be embraced as we truly are. I pray that more and more we become connected in ways that allow us to genuinely love one another and be loved by one another, not fearing our shortcomings. Because I'll tell you, this is one of the most true things that I've ever learned as being a pastor. You never know what's going on behind somebody else's doors. What they're struggling with, what they're challenged with. We all have it. And to genuinely love one another is to know that about others and to reveal that about ourselves in a way that can allow for God's embrace to come through another human as well. It's an important part of making our love genuine. Verse 10 includes another great tip for transforming our connections in the body of Christ. Our translation this morning says, outdo one another in showing honor. Put others before yourself. Paul says this throughout the New Testament in many different ways. What would it look like? What I like about this particular evolution of his writing is that it's active verbiage. He says, outdo one another. You know what the greatest relationship killer of all time is probably? Scorekeeping. You know what I mean when I say scorekeeping? Keeping careful track of those thoughtless words or even the selfish acts that that person does, or even those looks. You know those looks. Keeping score of all those negative things or perceived negative things with nothing on the positive side to balance them out. Paul challenges us in our relationships to be transformed. And instead of keeping score so that we can hold it against that person, he says, yeah, keep score so that you can outdo that other person. You can outdo your wife or your husband or that other person in the church. I'm going to outdo you in encouragement. I'm going to outdo you in serving. I'm going to outdo you in giving. I'm going to outdo you in blessing. Competitive outdoing should be the Christian Olympic sport, I believe. Instead of asking, what am I getting out of this? What am I outdoing one another in this? How am I serving to the greatest capacity that God has given me? We would be on our way to healthier marriages and deeper friendships and a greater church family on mission if we focused on outdoing one another rather than focusing on what has or has not been done to or for us. If we want to transform our lives in a powerful way, outdoing and showing honor to one another is a good start. Verse 15 is one of the classics of the New Testament. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Paul again uses these words actively in engagement. This is a particular Christian gift. It doesn't say, watch those who rejoice or observe those who mourn. And it certainly doesn't say, envy those who rejoice or ridicule those who mourn. At both ends of the spectrum of emotions, it is a transformative to really engage in empathy with people, to really be happy for people who are in a beautiful season of blessing in their lives. They have a new child, they got a promotion at work, their team is winning, whatever. When people are rejoicing, rejoice with them. 
The other side is sometimes a little harder. To mourn with those who mourn means that we climb down in that hole with them and bear that burden alongside them so that they are not alone, so that we mitigate the very presence of Christ to them. As we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, it keeps us from comparing ourselves, doesn't it? Another great relationship killer. It's hard for me to love you genuinely if I'm jealous of what you have or what you can do. It's hard for me to love you genuinely if I scoff at your weak. It's an enemy of grace that creeps into our lives. The temptation to just step back and observe and maybe even comment on others, but God's call is one of engagement in relationship. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep is a hallmark of Christian community. And finally, Paul writes in verse 18, one of my favorite pieces of wisdom in all of Scripture. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. The ethical will of God is clear, that he wishes that we would be at peace with everyone, right? God didn't create us for violence against one another, but he calls us to be at peace, and his, his will is that we would be at peace with all people. But the Apostle Paul, in his wise way here, recognizes that we live in a fallen world. That for those of us who dwell on planet Earth, we're going to have some broken relationships. So he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. Do everything you can do to be reconciled. Do everything that you can do to be the healer of relationships. Do everything in your power to restore brokenness. But understand, not everyone's going to be restored to one another. Not everyone has the capacity to live at peace with you or with me. Now that doesn't mean we can't forgive them. It doesn't mean that we can't extend to them the grace that has been extended to us in Christ. But even if we can't come to peace with that other person, at least we can have peace with ourselves and with God of having done what we can in a loving, healthy relationship. And finally, just one more word about our connections in Christ. They won't happen by accident. With the pace and the fury of our lives today, our relationships as a church family won't happen by accident. Really genuinely loving one another will have to be a formative priority of our lives. We have to decide that's a priority to be transforming our relationships here at the church. And to me, that's the lesson of Ruth that we read this morning. That, that passage of Naomi and Ruth, I'm not sure I've ever heard it outside of a wedding ceremony. I want to rescue it a little bit today. Do you hear the words that she speaks to Naomi? Naomi is begging her to go back to where her family is, to go back to where her resources are, to go back to her gods and to her people. But Ruth says this. Listen to the intensity of these words. Where you go, I will go. 
Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She's all in. She's all in to go to a foreign place that she doesn't know because she genuinely loves Naomi. Those are the words of committed, genuine love, and they are the words that speak of lashing ourselves together until God calls us home or until Christ returns. To say, this is the body of which I am a part. I've had many examples of this through the years in my life, beautiful parables of people who I have no relation to blood-wise, uh, but who have adopted me along the way, and we have in turn become family. Some of them are here today. Joe and Sandra Michler, when I went to college at Wake Forest, I didn't know anybody, but they welcomed me into their home. They gave me a key to their house. They welcomed my friends to come eat at their table. Rugby players. They let me live with them while I was interning at First Pres Winston-Salem. And here we are 20 whatever, 30 almost years later. It is a joy to welcome you to this house of the Lord. They didn't have any reason to do that. I didn't have any claim on their home or their food. But they extended it in genuine love for another. And so taught me about adoption in the Bible and what that means to be part of the family of God. Who are you doing that for? Friends, as we grow in our connections at Westminster, I do believe that is the strength of this church, that we love one another genuinely and deeply, and I think God is calling us to a deeper place still. Even as we look for staff members to come on and be our youth and student and family ministry, we need to deepen our connections. Part of the reason I am here at Westminster and Carolyn as well is the people that we met from Westminster, we want our kids to grow up around them. We want to be part of that family. And so it is that I invite you to lean in to these relationships. We need adults to be connected with our students, people who aren't their parents, reminding them of the secret of God's love for them and of who he's calling them to be. I hope that God is tugging on your heart today to say, that's a place I need to lean in. That's a place I need to be connected for the sake of God's family and for my own blessing. If you are feeling that today, if you know that this season, this fall, could be a time for you to help build those connections with our students in middle and high school particularly, please contact me. I'll be here after the service. You can send me an email as well. Let's build on the strength of who Westminster is for the next generation as well. Let us pray. So God, we thank you for the connections that you give us, for the way that you make us family by your grace and by your spirit. For those who we have witnessed along the way who have included us, God, we thank you. 
And I pray for each soul here that we would not only receive that blessing, but we would be that blessing to others as well. That they might be pointed to you by your grace. So God, today, raise up those whom you're calling to deepen the connections in your family here. To care for those who are outsiders. To nurture those who are here and to build those relationships of genuine love and to grow in them as a gift of your grace by the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or review a video of the full service, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.